This is a broadcast of SmallCapVoice.com, a financial communications and investor relations firm. SmallCapVoice.com receives payment for investor relations and financial consulting services that it provides to its clients. You should assume that officers, directors, and employees of SmallCapVoice.com or financial analysts mentioned and their families hold a position and intend to trade in these securities for their own accounts. This is not an offer or recommendation to buy or sell securities. Information in this broadcast is presented solely for informative purposes and is not intended to be nor should it be construed as investment advice. As in all investments, an investment in a featured company carries an investment risk. Listeners should review the company thoroughly with a registered investment advisor or registered stockbroker. This broadcast does not purport to be a complete study of the featured company or other companies mentioned. Information used and statements of fact have been obtained from the featured company and other sources but not verified nor guaranteed by smallcapvoice.com as to completeness or accuracy. Such information is subject to change without notice. You're wired in smallcapvoice.com. Following is a presentation of smallcapvoice.com, today's leader in investor relations, capital formation, and retail support. Now, with your online business briefing, smallcapvoice.com's Stuart T. Smith. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us here once again at smallcapvoice.com for our online business briefing. As you just heard, I am your host, Stuart Smith, and we have a special edition of the online business briefing today where we're going to do a Q&A specifically with Progressive Care Incorporated traded on the OTCQB under the ticker symbol RXMD. All of these questions were provided by you, their investors and shareholders. So I have a special Q&A with Sheetal Mars, Progressive Care CEO. So, Sheetal, this one said, can you break down today's PR, referring to the family physician stock purchase agreement, what does it really mean? And if you could break that down. Yes, I, I want to say for anybody looking at that and saying, what does this mean? This means saving. For a company that is comparable in size to the pharmacy that we already have, to be able to purchase this for about $1.9 million plus inventory and cash, is a tremendous amount of value to all of our shareholders. It does a few things. One, it saves us using cash and using all of that cash for the acquisition. And we were able to, instead of having a $3 million note, now we have 2.6 because we returned $400,000. We save on the, the AR value. We're able to keep 300000 that we had accrued that we needed to pay to the prior owners for, for the net AR value. We also get the stock back, so it, it brings more shares, brings less dilution. By having this value, we also think that the shareholders should recognize that this company is making moves to protect the shareholders, to protect the value, to pay as little as possible. But also, I want to give credit to, to the sellers of, of Family Physicians Rx who absolutely wanted to make things better for our shareholders. They wanted to close things out, not have this dragging on two years. And and they wanted to have a, a more secure financial position for themselves. We, we were able to release that money from ESO, and now everyone here is satisfied. We've done the right thing by all parties involved. And I really want to thank them for having that forethought to, to come to us and say that we can do a, a really good negotiation here to do this the fair present value of this money 
and, and do the right thing. So I think for any shareholder listening and wanting to know what does this mean, it means saving. It means less dilution, and it means a better financial condition for the company. Well, very good. When will the company file for SEC registration and become fully SEC reporting? We anticipate having the S-1 ready in April. We want to have the 2018 audited financial statements and 2019 audited financial statements in the S-1. We may have to go back and, and do prior, prior year audits, but we don't anticipate that. We think two years is enough. And we think with what we've done in 2018, 2019, it, it best reflects the company um, we want to present to, to the SEC investing public, the, the registered company investing public. So we want to make sure that we're doing the right thing there. We're looking like April. For anybody not familiar with the process, when you file, it's not immediately effective. You, you can expect, any company can expect at least one to two rounds of comments from the SEC. Those can last, you know, 30, 60, 90 days. So we could have an effective statement um, by the fall of 2019. So we, we really think that that's the best move for us. We're not expecting, the only reason we didn't do it this year is because we had a material acquisition. We're not expecting to have that same kind of acquisition in the next couple of months or in the beginning of, of 2019, anything we, requ- we acquire um, shouldn't be a Super 8K situation. And we'll be able to file the S1 um, pretty easily in April. Okay, let me do a redirect on that to you, Sheetal. You said the fall of 2019. I believe you meant the fall of 2020. Oh, fall of 2020, sorry. Not a problem because that takes me into my next question, and I think you just answered it. Is the company considering uplisting to the OTCQX in early 2020? And that answer, you're, you're going to start the process, but whether it's accepted is fall of 2020 is what you're expecting? Yes, one of the things is with the SEC, they always do comments. There's no such a thing as you do a filing and they, they give it a check mark right away. So in the best case scenario, we're trying to do make sure that that S1 is very tight. We don't want to be in the endless cycle of comments. But we, we really want by the end of summer to have an effective registration statement, which means we're, we're building in time for one, maybe two round of, rounds of comments. With that, now we're registered with the SEC, we're fully reporting, we're edgarizing our financials. That means the hold period for any investor is no longer 12 months, it's six months. And it also qualifies us, I believe, to be on OTCQX. Um, I don't know whether we will do the filing for OTCQX or hold off and go straight to, to NASDAQ thereafter. Um, but I do believe we, we would qualify at that point, and we'll evaluate whether that's in the best interest of the shareholders to pay that uplifting fee for a period of, of maximum a year. But we don't really want to wait a full year on OTC uh, uh, QX. Okay, understood. Now, when will the company start launching CBD products through RXMD Therapeutics? So that's a very good question. Um, we think... We're looking at about two to three months. Uh, one of the things that we've wanted to do and we want to be very careful is not necessarily with the regulatory environment, which I believe we've gotten comfortable with. We want to make sure our product stands out, that it is unique. We're looking at having 
our first set of and our first orders in in December, and by the end of December or beginning of January, and us delivering products in, in January. We're very close. We're working on the website now, and we're working on how we're going to do the, the certificates of analysis for all of our products. I re- highly recommend nobody buy anything unless there's a certificate analysis accompanying it, and then we'll be able to, to start shipping products. So looking December, January. Very good. Is the company considering providing acupuncture services as an alternative approach to pain management? So I'm really happy that everybody caught that article. Uh, I am taking my staff on an acupuncture day because I know it works for me. Um, and I, I know a lot of people suffer with back pain and migraines and a lot of other things. So we are not planning on offering directly. But one of the things that we have looked into is whether we can work with chiropractors and acupuncturists through our model of providing that supplemental nutraceutical care. So doing cross-marketing and cross-banding with, with reputable chiropractors, with rep, reputable acupuncturists to drive traffic to them, and then them also drive traffic to us. We believe CBD also plays a role that they, they can become uh, dispensing doctors for us for, for our CBD products. Um, but we're not looking at provide, being coming providers of acupuncture per se. All right. Now, has the company made any progress regarding the Georgia Pharmacy acquisition opportunity? So with Georgia, uh, so with Georgia, the the opportunity was phenomenal. The only issue there is sometimes when you're doing these negotiations, you have differences of opinion on on valuation and control. And that's really where we left it. We thought it wasn't in the best interest of our shareholders or our, or our brand to feed control to, to operators in Georgia. We would want to make sure that they're following our model. And the other thing is we did not end up agreeing on valuation of, of that business. It, we wouldn't want to get involved in something where it would take seven, ten years to realize the benefit of the investment. So we decided not to pursue that specific acquisition at this time. However, we do still have communications with the, the hospitals that are there that were interested in our model. So because of the NDA and the restrictions we have, we have to wait a little bit of time before we can pursue that opportunity independently. All right. These come from a different investor. Could Sheetal Mars provide an update into any further expansion? It had been mentioned earlier this year that possible expansion into other states could be a possibility. I wonder if they're also referring to Georgia. Yes. So we're already licensed in Georgia. We already are looking at um, more revenues in New York. And I've asked our staff to look into states like Oklahoma and California. California, again, takes a year to get. It's very difficult. Um, but we are looking at expanding our state presence. But we're also focused, we're, but right now we're focused on Florida. But part of the evolution of progressive care will be becoming a national brand. Now, whether that's through getting more state licenses in our 901 location or doing that through acquisition or partnerships with other pharmacies that have national footholds, which there is the availability to do uh, at this time, we think we can 
take advantage of that national name and national branding without having to just do it through one location. Very good. Any update on possibility of moving to a higher exchange? We talked about that one as well. So let me drop down to another one where we're talking about 2020 expectations. Now, not specifically financials, but 2020 expectations for the company. What will the business look like in 2020? I want to prepare all of our shareholders for an evolution of progressive care. We believe that because of the work we've done in the pharmacy space, because of the expertise we've built and the reputation we've built as first-class pharmacy experts, that it is time for the next phase of progressive care. During my tenure, we have slowly evolved, you know, becoming one store, two stores, four stores, servicing multiple states, doing mail order, doing uh, 340B, doing long-term care. We're slowly implementing several new lines of business. I want everybody to prepare for the next phase, which is us moving into the telemedicine space. We're working on an opportunity to do that. Um, I want to say that the platform as we've evaluated it is second to none, and we want to grow it. You may never have heard of it, and when we announce it, you probably will not have heard of it, and that's a good thing, because we don't want it to be like everything else. That will lead us to becoming a national brand, to becoming a national presence. We believe that the telemedicine platform that we can employ will be the next best thing in healthcare, and that will be what we will be focused on 2020, 2021, and beyond. And we believe that the monetization rate on that is is highly lucrative for all of our shareholders and for for us as well. Keep in mind that that also benefits the pharmacy. We are not looking to get out of the pharmacy business. We're not looking to spin off the pharmacy business. But as we see it, telemedicine and pharmacy need to go hand in hand. Remote patient monitoring needs pharmacy services in order to provide the best health outcomes. And we think that the pharmacy provides the best foundation for this evolution to becoming to going into technology and going into telemedicine. Beyond that, 2020, you're also going to see more work done in CBD and nutraceuticals. So we won't just be a pharmacy. We won't just be telemedicine, but also going into our own products, our own brands, our own services. So we're, we're really talking about becoming significantly more than a pharmacy and, and more like a health services company that we've been modeling ourselves after. Health services and technology. And I think that. Uh, what all of our shareholders can can look forward to, and I, you know, I try not to overpromise and and underdeliver. We believe we can bring more traffic. We believe we can bring more business. We believe we can evolve. And I believe that over the last four years and as, over the last seven years, I've been with this company. Everything I've ever told my shareholder, everything I've ever told the investing public I wanted to do, I have done. And we have delivered time and time and time again. And I am looking forward to delivering on the next phase of this company. Well, Sheetal, that's our final question. So, again, I'll turn the call back over to you for any closing comments or summation. I want to thank all of our shareholders for being so supportive. You know, there's a lot of reasons to, to look at whatever you want to look at in our company, but we are not a 
fly by night, small micro cap public company. We have solid revenues. We have 125 employees. We have a building in, in Hallandale. We're not going anywhere. And tomorrow, we are going to be vastly different than we are today. And I'm not meaning the literal tomorrow, but there is so much to look forward in this company. And I, I want all of our shareholders to get excited about it, to look forward to it, and to hold on because the ride is going to be very interesting over the next 18 months. It's going to be very beneficial to all of the shareholders, and it's going to be beneficial to this company, and it's going to be beneficial to the communities and healthcare at large. So I want everybody to look out for it and be prepared for it because it's going to be very exciting and very interesting. Well, that concludes our call for today. You can refer back to the press release that came out November 7th for my email address, or you can simply email me your questions regarding the company at smith at smallcapvoice.com. Thank you, everyone, for your participation, and especially those that send in your questions. Smallcapvoice.com, today's leader in investor relations, capital formation, and retail support, provides its clients with the highest level of service. Our audio interviews are disseminated to one of the largest opt-in audiences available today. How? We at smallcapvoice.com believe in aligning and affiliating ourselves with other leaders within the investor relations community. By sharing resources, each affiliated firm is made that much stronger and each client is served that much better. Our focus is to identify and provide the very best financial services and solutions available to clients and their shareholders. For more information about our services, please call us at 512-267-2430 or visit us on the web at www.smallcapvoice.com.